0: As we reflect upon these lessons and upon this timeless and holy story, let us first offer this prayer. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. May they be in keeping always with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate this night, and in whose name we pray, amen. I'd like to begin by offering my compliments to whoever lives in the house on Main Street uh, that decided this year to repurpose their Halloween decorations for Christmas. (laughs) They've got scarecrows sitting around a burning Yule log, a little too closely perhaps, and one of those giant 10-foot tall skeletons wearing a Santa Claus suit. I have to commend their... Creativity, their frugality, and their decision to work smarter, not harder. (laughs) Then again, those of you who know me well know that I'm a fan of Halloween and horror movies and all things macabre. My taste in film lends itself to a bit of a misperception, actually, which is that I don't like happy endings. It's true, at least, that a lot of the movies I watch do tend to have bleak outcomes, where no one lives happily ever after. Some have even suggested that this colors my admittedly jaded worldview, that my cynicism about the state of this weary world is the product of watching too many scary movies, as if the headlines weren't horrific enough. And more than a few folks here at church have recommended a prescription, a guaranteed cure for this disenchanted malaise, Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. (laughs) If I just watched one, they tell me, I would feel better. So I did. There were so many to choose from. Jolly Good Christmas, A Wish for Christmas, Home for Christmas. They all sounded exactly the same. So bland and generic that I couldn't decide. So when my wife told me that one of these made-for-TV Christmas movies was about to come on the Lifetime channel and that it was called A Cowboy Christmas Romance, (laughs) I figured that was close enough. Lexi is a successful real estate broker enjoying her life in the big city. Her sassy business partner and best friend begs her to pursue a lucrative offer from a mysterious client who wants to buy a certain ranch in Arizona. The catch, of course, is that it's in her hometown, where Lexi fled a decade ago for unknown reasons and promised to never return. Now, I'm going to stop for just a minute here to consult the... Hallmark Christmas movie plot generator. (laughs) You see, these movies are so notoriously formulaic and predictable that someone made a chart to describe all of the usual story beats. Most of these are variation on the same theme. Career-oriented, big city businesswoman returns to her quaint hometown at Christmas time to settle some kind of business at the behest of her sassy best friend, where she falls in love with... One of a few archetypes, including, and I quote, an old flame, a guy and his dog, a single dad and his precocious child, or a sensitive guy in a plaid shirt. (laughs) Now, as an aside, if you love these movies, good for you. I'm sure you could make a similar chart about all of the schlocky horror movies I watch, so no offense intended. I'm just trying to make a point that I'll get around to in about 10 minutes, so. For now, let's continue. As Lexi arrives in her hometown just a few days before Christmas to close the deal, she finds that the owner of the ranch, a sensitive cowboy in a plaid shirt, who also happens to be a single dad with a rather precocious daughter, (laughs) refuses to sell despite the ranch being a financial sinkhole that's gonna bankrupt him. We eventually learn, while people brush horses for two hours, that Lexi's estranged father owns the larger ranch in town, that he's been trying to buy out the cowboy in the plaid shirt for years without success. We also learn that Lexi left home because her father cut her out of her family's inheritance. Now, after a great deal of drama and and brushing more horses, everything becomes magically resolved. You see, it turns out that Lexi's father only wanted to buy the cowboy's crummy ranch so that he could give it to her to make amends. And now that she and the titular cowboy have fallen in love, having known each other for all of three days, (laughs) he finally decides to sell her the ranch. Lexi gets her big commission, and then she sells the property back to the cowboy for a dollar on the condition that they run it together and that they all live happily ever after via some very sketchy math (laughs) and an even sketchier business plan. I have to confess, by the time a cowboy Christmas romance was over, I wasn't feeling much better about the state of this weary world. In fact, I was probably feeling worse So I decided to watch a few more of these movies, you know, (laughs) purely for research, of course. In the study of theater, there is a plot device known as the deus ex machina or God in the machine. This comes from the ancient Greek tradition uh, going back almost three millennia in which an actor portraying a God, maybe Zeus or Apollo or Athena, would literally descend onto the stage via an elaborate system of ropes and pulleys. I've been campaigning to get something like that here at church for Sunday morning. The property committee says there's liability issues. (laughs) Anyway, this would always happen at the end of the play, and the deity would come down and magically resolve whatever insoluble tensions or conflicts remained in the story. When the human characters simply cannot resolve their issues, a god just swoops in and fixes everything. So some people think I don't like happy endings, but that's not entirely true. I just don't like these kinds of happy endings, where contrived solutions that seem too good to be true miraculously dissolve all tensions, and where everyone lives happily ever after, as if there was such a thing at all. I mean, life is never perfected or accomplished such that no one ever has to worry about anything ever again. Life is never resolved, not so long as we're still alive. The deus ex machina is an ancient invention, but it's still popular today in one form or another. So many of our stories, and not just Christmas romances on the Hallmark Channel, are too easily resolved. I think one of the most egregious examples of this that I've ever seen was the 2005 Tom Cruise adaptation of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. The movie, which recounts one family's struggle to survive an alien invasion of Earth, gets off to a pretty good start. Uh, It's genuinely pretty creepy and for the most part, things seem pretty bleak. I call that a good start. But just as all hope for humanity is lost, all of the invading aliens just suddenly fall over and die. And the voice of Morgan Freeman, as close to God as anything Hollywood has produced, I suppose, descends and narrates the cause of their sudden demise. From the moment the invaders arrived, breathed our air, ate and drank, they were doomed, he explains. You see, despite having studied our planet for decades, centuries even, before invading, these aliens fail to realize that they're allergic to our bacteria. They all catch a cold and die. And everyone else lives happily ever after. The ending of that movie was so arbitrary and contrived. Such a complete 180 from the two hours that preceded it that it just about gave me whiplash. I don't want these kinds of easy answers or contrived resolutions because, frankly, they beggar belief. You know, give me a story that I can believe in. Something with unresolved tension. Something that the heroes still have to fight for. Something with an unknown future because, let's face it, that's the movie we're all living in. Jesus was born into a weary world. Back then, ordinary people were living under the Roman Empire just as it began its slow collapse into autocracy, its first emperor seizing power just a few years before Jesus was born. Tyrants like King Herod, desperate to cling to power, casually slaughtered children in Palestine, trying to crush the Messiah before he could grow to maturity. The empire was constantly at war, and most people were poor and getting poorer under Roman taxation. This is the world that Jesus literally descends into, not via ropes and pulleys, but by whatever means God actually uses to incarnate in human flesh. And unlike the deus ex machina of Greek drama, Jesus doesn't magically resolve anything. He doesn't solve world hunger or bring worldwide peace. He doesn't topple the empire. He doesn't save the whales or the rainforests. He doesn't fall in love with a career-oriented woman from the big city and he doesn't ride off into the sunset, like a cowboy. And frankly, as we look around, it might seem like not a whole lot has changed since those days. Much like Rome, our republic is on thin ice. Most people are still struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table. Wars still rage in Israel and Palestine and refugees like Jesus and Mary and Joseph still flee from Bethlehem to Egypt, just trying to survive. And we've got a dozen other crises that people in Jesus' time never had to worry about. So Jesus didn't save the world in the Hollywood sense, but he does tell us, teach us, how to nurture it, how to care for it how to love it, and how to do all of those things for each other. Jesus offers a different kind of salvation, not one that just solves everything for us, but rather an escape from the machinery of this world if we are willing to build a new one, a world that he calls the kingdom of God. And that is something we can believe in. That is something we can do. The work of Christmas does not end tomorrow, that's when it begins. Friends, we all know that life is not a Hallmark Channel movie, that it's unpredictable, scary, complicated. But that doesn't mean we cannot rejoice in this weary world. We can practice gratitude, realizing that every day we do can be the best day of our lives. We can find joy in human connection, electricity in the sparks between us. We can allow ourselves to be amazed in this world where wonder and magic lurks just beneath the surface of our day-to-day lives. Maybe a baby born of a virgin mother, flanked by shepherds and angels and animals of all kinds, Even penguins, if you saw our Christmas pageant this morning. Maybe that's a little hard to believe. But a refugee kid who struggles to find his place in the world, who grows up poor, who realizes that love is the answer to every question, who pioneers nonviolent resistance and changes the world in ways that he won't live to see. That's a hero and a story. I can believe in. Jesus never promised us a happy ending in this life. But he does promise a new beginning every time we celebrate his birth. And that, friends, is plenty of reason to rejoice. Merry Christmas. Amen. (laughs)